is up, wrestling fans, your host with most, George McKay. I'm in the building. I'm here with my cohort in crime, Steve the Animal Mitchell. How's it going, everybody? And we are live on location at Battle Arts Academy. We are sitting down for a one-on-one exclusive with Mr. George Menendez. I hope I'm saying it right. Yeah, but just go by George the Iceman. George the Iceman from yes. uh, awesome. Destiny Wrestling. He's the head honcho, the king of the hill, if you will. <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the uh, well, I'm not going to say biggest promotions in Canada, I'm going to say you're probably the biggest. You're probably the biggest, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, the biggest. Dusty Wrestling yeah. has been around for quite a bit of time. We've been following, uh, faithfully, I guess you would say, not so much going to the shows because financial reasons yeah. or uh, scheduling conflicts, if you will. We haven't been able to come to a show, but we've definitely been following your Facebook page, yeah. seeing yeah. how how many leaps and bounds you've yes. taken yes. over the time. And it, we know you're a workhorse, man. You've put in the work. Love it. Yeah, love it. I'm, I'm excited. Thanks again for having me, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to nope. talk to you guys about anything you want to talk about. Shoot away, ask me questions, and we'll give maybe some people an insight on what's happening and maybe a a backstage um, a backstage view of, of what's transpiring and what's coming up. Absolutely, for us, like for us, we're, we've been wrestling fans since birth. I want to say, literally, I came up. My dad was a wrestling fan. From there, I fell in love with the sport. Steve's definitely the same way. I'm not sure, I'm sure your dad was a fan, but you definitely felt. No, nope, I was the only one in the family that was actually. If anything, I was the I was the guy in the family that was really? that was faithfully being discouraged. So why are you watching these two men <laughs> wrestle around in underwear and all this? Those really same old, same old questions that people don't really understand about the wrestling business and just about wrestling in general. Yeah. So do you, do you remember the first person you seen on TV to inspire you? Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. And that was legitimately, that was against, uh, that was Shawn Michaels against Tito Santana. That was on uh, Superstars, Stars I remember. Yeah. yeah, I remember waking up on Saturday morning watching uh, WWF Superstars. Amazing. And I remember the very first thing that I ever saw was Shawn taking that, um, taking that bump where he goes up on top of the rope, where he puts his where he puts his whole body up on top of the rope after somebody throws him into the yep. turnbuckle, and then somebody goes up and kicks him over and over and over again, and then he flies off and crotches himself on the rope, and that's exactly. And that, I remember that whole sequence like it was yesterday of seeing that for the first time and just being like, "Wow, this is." so cool and I want to watch more of it every single week so and that, how do I that, get to that's the one that's the guy that's that one thing that you saw do you remember 100% what, what about yourself me personally my story is probably not as exciting as that but for me it was the uh, steel cage match Jimmy Superfly Snooker the one that Mick Foley constantly talks about yep yep I yep. watched that when he took that dive off the cage. I was like, I don't know if I can do that stuff with my life, but I'm definitely going to be a fan. I am literally, at that point, to use a cliche of recent uh, recent popular culture, I was all in. I was wow. all in at that moment. <laughs> I was all no. in at that moment. And then from there, it was uh, my dad took me to a house show at um, Toronto Skydome at the time. Oh, yes. Yeah, so now okay. it's the Rogers Center, yeah. but Toronto Skydome. And yeah. it was a house show. It was Vader versus Sting, WCW house show. <gasps> For the title in wow. a steel cage. Wow. And Ric Flair was in the audience, stood up, said a little hello, that's talked about how much you like. Yeah, yeah. You're killing me. You're kidding me. That's, that's way cooler than mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but you, you had the, you remember the whole entirety of the match. Mine was just the, snoop, the Superfly Snook. Everybody stocked about that one, right? So I guess that actually leads into our first question, which was what was the moment that you started to watch or fall in love with wrestling? Yes. Oh, man. That's a good question. I think, um, uh, I mean, obviously, I was a fan of Hogan's, and I was a fan of uh, Don Morocco. I was a big fan of Don Morocco. Ricky Steamboat, for me, was phenomenal. Brett the Hitman Hart, uh, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. I knew back then when uh, Brett was wrestling, Kurt was wrestling, or Ricky was wrestling, those three for me, I said, okay, fasten your seatbelts. This is a match, which I guess now realizing I, w- I love the wrestling. I do like the big showmanship, and the Hulk Hogan was the main event, and he drew but the match, you're going to get the workhorses are going to be the Macho Man and then the Ricky, and, and they're going to put on that match. It's like, 
follow this. I know you guys are the main, follow this. Yeah. Anyway, the first, I think the first guy, believe it or not, was Jimmy Snuka. And, All right, um, we're kindred spirits. We yeah. share the same name, and we're kindred spirits. Snuka was one of the guys. Spirit animals, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> Snuka was the same, What that guy that I was like, this guy's massive, he's huge. And he would do that super fly, and I was really impressed, but it was a feud that he had with Roddy Piper. Yes, yes. And uh, he got hit with the coconut. Was crazy, and I was watching Piper, and then I saw them um, in Madison Square Garden. They did that fight, where it left me in a completely different—I don't know—was in a different state of mind. I, you have to see that match where they're fighting each other. They're, you're, they don't—I don't think the match is available on Coliseum Video, uh, Coliseum Video in full. Uh, it, they don't release it like that. I think it was only released in progress to the match. Yes, yeah, so, so halfway so through the match, yeah, and so. He's busted open. They're going at it. The place is standing up, and I can't believe what I'm watching. So this is insane what I'm watching. And then they announce that they're coming to Toronto. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I said, what? What? So the first guy to really that I saw in wrestling was Jimmy Snuka. And then the first wrestling match uh, that I went to go see live, the main event was Jimmy Snuka. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, versus um, uh, Roddy Piper. That match lasted seven minutes. It was, he, Piper came in, beat up Snooker really badly, busted him open, brought him on the outside, worked him, and stuff like that. That was my first thing to wrestling. I remember going to school, and I came, oh my God, this guy got punched out, there's blood everywhere, he's beating him up. My teacher's like, what are you talking about? Yep. So, that <laughs> you was my your thing. teacher, you were like, That's, yeah. I'm talking about the greatest sport ever. You guys don't get it. You guys and, don't have a clue. And the funny thing, my very first wrestling show that I ever ran, I said, I'm going to book Jimmy Snuka. And it was ironic because I sat as a fan, at, you know, in the nosebleeds as a kid at Maple Leaf Gardens, surreal, a little goosebumpy, to watch this guy against, and I looked up to this guy, and then I saw him on TV and he introduced me to wrestling. So to hire him to work for me, and me be a wrestling promoter, I'd say, and I had a lot of respect for him, I shook his hand, I go, thank you very much, blah, blah, blah. You know, we did our we did our business, and uh, you know, in the business, I'm going to break. You know, obviously, some of the kayfabe thing of booking. But when you're booking and you're booking somebody, there's, there's transport, there's flight, there's this fee. Uh, it could be a deal where you guys split on the merchandise and so forth, or he's taking all the merch and sales and, and stuff like that. But there was also a bonus fee if you wanted the snook, the superfly. Mm. So I was like, ah, you know, I'd love to, but I'm not there yet financially. I can't do both. You know, it's enough that I have you here. And uh, the idea was to put over another guy, a hometown guy, who later on got signed to the WWE. And, uh, but Snuka, as a gentleman, the class act that he was, did the super, uh, did the Superfly for me. Wow. No extra, no extra no fee. fee. No fee, no cost. That's and incredible. So he did it for the people, brother. And I was like, shook his hand, class act, you're a class act, all the way, thank you. Wow, that's amazing. That sounds that's like a real class like that, I, I got goosebumps just from hearing you tell the story, so that's fantastic. So yes. I know you started with concert and yep. uh, club promoting. Yep. Did it Was it wrestling first, then you flipped to that, or was that first, and then you transitioned into wrestling promotions? Gotcha, good question. So um, I was actually a club promoter, a uh, concert promoter. Uh, so I dealt with uh, booking artists after parties. I dealt with movie premieres. I booked with beer companies, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and uh, artists and, and that was that was my thing was the, the, the marketing and and promotions for concerts. I was a concert and club promoter, and um, I went to a local indie in downtown Toronto. I saw a poster on a, on a pole, and um, it was Ricky Johnson, 
uh, The Rock's uh, uncle. And uh, Ricky, so Man Johnson, was doing a small show. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go check it out. It's pretty awesome. You know, I've seen some indie wrestling here and there on TV clips. But it still didn't have the prestige that it is today. It's, it was completely very, very different. Very different. Than, than what it is now. So I said, I'm going to go check it out. So I went. It was at a place called Club OVs. And uh, I checked it out. It was... Uh, it was quite an experience, I have to say. And it's where I first met, actually, Edge and Christian. Uh, so they were on the card. They were booked. Ron Hutchison was there, who was training a lot of the guys. And uh, a few of the other boys were there. And uh, Ricky was there. And the main event was a steel cage match. And he was bleeding all over the place. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And it was at a bar. There were kids at this bar with their parents to watch this wrestling show. And he got out. He finished the match. He won the match. And, and he went to the bar and ordered a beer. <laughs> this, is, this is actually happening right now. This guy went to the bar and he ordered a beer. And he's bleeding everywhere and kids are running up to him for pictures and autographs. Like, this is so raw and crazy. What's going on here? Yeah. So I was like, I don't know, like man. So I looked at that. I saw that. And I said, there's got to be, I mean, not knocking it, but there's, there's got to be a better way to present this. I said, there's got to be a better way to present this. And with all your experience in the marketing yeah. and the promoting, and, you know promoting, you could and, and, present that better Yeah, experience. and being a concert promoter, it's more to it than, hey, picking up a phone and calling. I deal with everything, literally. Production, staging, trucking, marketing, advertising, radio. I deal with flights, hotel. It's a whole series. So it's, it's you know, and you'll you'll have one or two people that, that you'll hire to, to help put all that stuff together. So, you know, I, with all the contacts in the concert business that I have and stuff, I got to get a great venue, awesome lighting, uh, get some great talent. And I want to throw a show. So anyways, concert promoting was first came wrestling. I did some wrestling shows at the time. We had a Canadian office for WWE with Carl DeMarco in charge. Oh, awesome. I did not know that. Yes. There was a Canadian office. Carl DeMarco was in charge and, uh, uh, he got the job because he was Bret Hart's manager at the time. Okay. So there was a relationship already with WWE. So when Brett went to WCW, they asked him, do you want to maybe stay on board and represent, you know, the Canadian uh, aspect of it? And, and he did a couple of good things for us. He brought, obviously, a lot of the WWE laws, the attitude areas to the Rogers Center, or uh, Rogers Center now, but it was Skydome. Oh, right? no, it was AC. Uh, AC no, yes, yes it was Skydome, Skydome yeah. right? And then so it was he brought ACC that, transition. Like that. Yeah. So he, uh, with our, again, with all our contacts, we were able to get our talent on national television, TSN, and so forth. We were able to get interviews and publicity. We did press conferences. We were able to get a lot of, 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 of a huge exposure. And I received a cease and desist letter from WWE Canada from Carl DeMarco. Wow. To stop immediately. And uh, so I was called into a meeting with the lawyer. So I went in. True story. And I, uh, and I, I was like, what is the dispute? And basically how my product was very similar to what they were doing, especially with the name. At the time, my company was World Wrestling Superstars, WWS. And that could be deliberated whether Hulk was just a World Wrestling Federation, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. And an S and an F, and it could be so misconstrued. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, so I said, listen, we're completely different. It's, it's not going to happen. There's no way. And he goes, pretty bluntly, yes, but they have more money than you. And I really thought about that. I took a step back. I was like, look at these sons of bitches. They're going to squeeze me. So anyways, long story short, um, I stopped for a while. And uh, a few years, few years later, Anthony opened up Battle Arts Academy. And here I am. So I guess now you talked about how Destiny got started when yeah. Battle Arts opened. So yeah. your relationship with Santino yeah. obviously helped 
kind of maybe shape this whole thing? Yeah, so basically uh, the, the, the sum of it was um, he, he opened up the gym and he said, hey, listen, man, do you want to come and help me out, do some announcing, do some commentary and so forth? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Of course, you're my boy. So it came out to help out and um, he has the, the students. So he, he has a school here. He trains the professional wrestling and he does a student show once a month. And that show basically is for friends and family and other people are welcome to come to it, but it's to develop the workers and, and teach them techniques and he, he critiques it. Yeah, exactly. Thousand percent. So I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I said, listen, I was wondering how you'd feel about me launching a independent wrestling show separate from what you're doing and, you know, basically, um, you know, get some guys, some, 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 some top guys to, to put on some, some kick-ass shows and uh, bring in some talent to the town and, and really utilize this facility because it's such an amazing facility. And he says, that's a great idea. Sure, no problem, man. You know, whatever you want to do, you know, you're welcome to... Um, to do some shows here and stuff like that. So, okay, cool. So I wanted to come up with a good brand and uh, I was um, watching some stuff and uh, I'm a big fan of the MMA and, and boxing because I'm a, growing up, you know, I was also a big boxing fan and so forth. And uh, I was like, man, I want to do it different. I want to do it cool. I want to present it in a different way. How do I do it? Blah, blah, blah. So anyways, long story short, I felt it was my destiny and I said, I'm going to come up with destiny, the name. And I said, instead of doing letters, right? Instead of doing letters like, you know, WWE, how, how do they cheer that? How, how do people talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, Destiny, they could, you know, if they like what they see, they could, they could cheer Destiny, right? Yeah. yeah. So I said, okay, uh, I'm going to keep up with that. So that makes sense. The, the meaning behind it, because wrestling for me was always great. It was always my destiny to, to be involved in some way, shape, or form. And then to give somebody an opportunity to live their dream or live their destiny and try to overcome. So that was the basis behind the name. So I did my first show, and at the time I called Colt Cabana, and I booked him to do my first show. And the first, and the, the game plan wasn't to do what I'm doing right now. To be honest, I'll be very upfront with this. There wasn't a plan. I was like, "Oh my, I'm gonna do this, this, this." It was I want to do a show here and there, and just do some kick-ass wrestling with some really good guys. And then that show led to, uh, you know, that. It just led to a whole different doors opening. People were calling me. I had a great time. It was fun. It was a cool show. It was so different. Loved the, the facility. Loved what you did. Yeah, I noticed the name picked up. Like it was like almost overnight. That overnight. I didn't know what Destiny Wrestling was, and then all of a sudden, sudden next night, I'm I'm hearing on what culture. I'm hearing yeah. at the end of what culture shows. Oh, this is my destiny. Okay. Yeah, and like this this your promo package yeah. and everything about Destiny Wrestling. So, so I was like, you know what? So that my second show, I said I want something good. And I said Rhino. So I said, okay. I booked Rhino. Rhino came, did the show, did great again. Rhino gets signed that week. Leaves my show. Gets on a plane. Tuesday. Goes to Florida. NXT. NXT. Mm -hmm. yeah. ah. It begins. I'm onto something. Guys, well, holy shit, George, aren't you lucky? Look at this guy. I said, my God, this is crazy. I said, it's crazy. It's my third show. I said, okay, I, I got to do myself. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the house was okay, but I, I, need, I need to do something big. The one guy I always liked growing up was Kevin Nash, Diesel. Yeah, big guy. Right, of course. And a friend of mine, Rico, uh, who wrestled out in Mexico, um, did very well, Canadian guy, made a living for a while, you know, uh, 
overseas and abroad. And that's fantastic to be an indie worker and make a living, right? Yeah. And he was friends with with Kevin because they did a movie together, that zombie wrestling or that something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. So he did. He goes, George, yeah, man, no problem. I, I said, you want to reach out to him? Maybe you, you know, see if we could work on a deal. But I don't want him to come and do autographs like he does at an expo. He has to compete in a match. We'll put him in a tag match to make it light. On his body and so forth. And I said, all right, let's talk to him. So he introduced us, made the call, blah, blah, blah. Talked to Kevin, worked it out. We're going. Boom. I said, okay, let's let's make this happen. So we make the announcement. Place erupts. Goes bananas. We sell out. Turn away people. I said, holy shit. Once again, on to something. Wait a minute. Seven days later, this was the week before WrestleMania. Seven days later, I'm on the couch with my buddies. Music hits. Fucking Kevin Ash comes walking down the aisle with the NWO. I'm like, what the? the that guy not just wrestling in my ring. And now he's on the biggest stage a week after my show, walking down the aisle. This is surreal. So I pick up the phone. I call Anthony. I said, bro. I gotta be onto something. Either I'm making the right picks or something's going on, or what, what do you think? He goes, Oh, that's, you know, it's gotta be coincidence. It's a coincidence, eh? He goes, Yeah. I said, Is it coincidence? Or am I specifically picking certain people? Um, well, I don't know what's going on. Anyways, long story short, uh, again, we ended up running. On, it's been five years now, just almost five years. We're doing very well, thank God Almighty. And um, as you may know, Tons of guys that I brought have gotten signed and have appeared on TV or under contract are doing well. All right, so you were telling us after Kevin Nash, you're making the right moves. What what was the next? What was the next big thing? So I think the next one right after Nash. I think one of the uh, I think the other show after Nash. I think I, I went big again. I believe I went big again on that one. But there was there was some guys I was looking at, uh, and again, these guys at the time they didn't. There's no TV. And I was, and, and this one thing I tell, by the way, all wrestlers right now that are in the game, you must be on top of your social media. It is absolutely essential that you are on your social media, that you're posting matches, that you're tagging videos on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, that you're taking memes and you're creating memes. Uh, because some guys that I hired were based on things I seen on social media. Never a TV show, never national television, but a meme, a friggin' meme. That I seen, and I said, "Who is this guy?" And I looked into him. That first gentleman was Leo Rush. I was literally just going to throw Leo Rush's name out there. I'm like, I imagine that it was somewhere along the lines of Leo Rush. And I booked him. That's amazing. Leo says, "I'd love to come in." And then I was doing TV, so we got a TV. We got a TV series right away with Bell. Bell was, was, "Wow, you guys are doing some great stuff." We got a TV series, so he came, and then. We're very corporatized in how we present things. So we do things in a very different way. You know, there's storylines, there's agents backstage, there's producers, there's a director, uh, we have physicians, we have catering. We do a, it's like a mini pay-per-view type of thing here. So those who know really appreciate what we, did, what we do and mm-hmm. understand it. Those who've been in the game and have done, um, you know, the Fed, they come and they, like, like, this is a mini Fed, what you guys are doing. This is phenomenal. First class. Anyways, long story short, again... Leo comes, he's like, this is amazing, this is awesome, this is great. Did the thing, blew up, the crowd didn't know who he was. After that, Toronto knew who he was. He got signed. (laughs) (laughs) 205, and I found out about him through watching 
his promos online okay. and watching. I just I fell in love with him. Social media is amazing. Exactly. Right. Another guy. So after that, I got to find the nobody. Who's this nobody going to be that nobody knows that I'm going to risk money on? That I'm going to pay for his travel? Because why would I pay extra money for a guy when I'm not going to make that money back, really, right? But I'm hoping to invest in him, to build him, to come back, to be a draw, to put ass in the seats after they see how good he is. And I found this one guy. So this guy's amazing. He's former military. He looks great. He's high-flying. Again, social media. I found him doing some videos. I said, I'm going to book this guy. And I brought him here. Now he's under contract with ROH. Um, he's doing very well. He's probably going to be very big in the business. His name was Flip Gordon. I, I, yeah, yes, I have heard of him. Yes, yeah. yes. So Flip was another guy that we that we rolled on, and, and it was quite quick too, because he got picked up in an ROH, kind of put a, a bit of a kibosh on. Okay, hey, yeah, he's exclusive to us. All right, so we're back here with George the Iceman, Battle Arts Academy, talking with the the man, the myth, the legend, the head honcho wow. of Destiny Wrestling. Thank you, man. Yeah, I got. I can't give you the best there is was. No, of right, course, that's, that's Brett. Brett. That's yeah. Brett. But yeah. I've got to give you another moniker. Appreciate that. So um, we talked about Leo Rush. We talked about Flip Gordon, Kevin Nash, all these big names you're bringing in. Yeah. And you're making all the right moves. So what was the next? Like, what was the next big so, move? I think the next. I think the next move there is we obviously wanted to go. Um, so uh, exposing a little bit of the business. Um, indie wrestling has somewhat of a cult following, like horror movies or like a band. Yeah. So there are certain bands that we've never heard of because they're not commercialized. Mm -hmm. uh, certain horror movies. I'm a horror fan, by the way. Uh, so, me too. Okay. Another kindred spirit. There you go. Yeah, you and I are connected on Absolutely. so many levels. Absolutely. Is a bromance buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I'm a, I'm a horror fan. So I don't just go and wait for a movie to come out to the theater, right? And if it comes out, then, oh, I guess it made it. No, there's so many great horror movies that I've seen that never made it to the theater. So many great bands that have never been signed to the majors that are great damn music, amazing music. Yep. Kind of like indies, right? So, okay, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm struggling with what do I do because you have a niche audience with indie wrestling. Mm -hmm. I need to expand. I need to go and I need to get or convince WWE, sorry, WWE fans to becoming fans of my product. Yeah. WWE fans are very fickle and they're very loyal. No matter what you hear, some of them could knock this or that. They're very loyal to the product. And also very stubborn when it comes very. to the product. And, 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 they have blinders completely yeah, on. That's the only thing that they see. WWE. And that's why. That's where I came to find and, under, and understood why that was the case. Was because it was just that sort of point. That's, that's all it. Know. That's all they know. That's, that's all it. they want to know. Yeah. They don't care. And that's the point. Is that's all they want to know. That's and all they want to know. So how, how do I break that? Over again. How the hell do I get into that? That, that mindset, how do I break that and convince you, listen, you're going to watch this once or twice a year when they come to town. And the show is spectacular and visual with lighting and sound and so forth. But it's not, you know, not all the match are going to be that way because they're touring and they can't take risks. It's not a pay-per-view. You're not going to get what you want. But take a risk with an indie show. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's basically how do you get the visual out of your head already about yeah. what you think the show is already going to be. I already know instead that. Instead of doing Correct. Just come to the come show, show. And, come to the show and enjoy it, and you'll yeah. find out it's a lot different than so that. Like, okay, I made a deal, and I talked to Kurt Angle. That's Kurt Angle amazing. just left Impact, was about to do the Expo circuit, and I said, "He goes, George. You know, I'm, I'm I don't want to work for a while. You know, my back, my family. I really don't want to get involved." So I said, "It, it doesn't work for me." 
to make a business decision to hire you to come and do autographs. You're going to do that anyway. We have to somehow get involved. You have to get involved. There has to be. People want to see Kurt Angle. Yeah. In a ring, somehow, some way. So the agreement to the deal was you're going to referee. Fair so you're going to ref the main, and you refed the main. And so he came, ref the main, sold out, by the way. And it introduced me to a whole new audience. Impact fans who never went to an indie or really didn't care much because they only followed that came. WWE fans that remembered him, that saw him sometimes in Impact, and, and they, they, they came. So we had a new fan base now of these guys who came to see him. But the idea was to get him in the building, to see him, but to introduce them to my product and my talent. Right. And say, look, you're not going to get that on Raw. You're going to get a lot of talking, a lot of pizzazz, a lot of sparkles, and that's what they do. Great. But these guys are busting their ass for you. You're going to put everything on the line. You're going to get a kick-ass match. So they introduced us. Okay, great. I said, okay. We're talking. There was an incident with one of the workers uh, was injured. He popped his shoulder out. And Kurt went right backstage. There's a famous picture. of I'll, I'll share that with you so you can see it. Uh, his concern. What a gentleman that a day or so later, he called me. Hey, George, just want to say thanks again for everything. And, uh, you know, I had a great time. I really appreciate you. Have a, you know, and he put, he put, he put us over. He goes, you have a very first class production here. Like, shocked. He was very good. He goes, but I want to follow up with that kid to see how he's doing, to make sure he's okay. Yeah. So why don't you pass him my number? Now, wow. who would wow. do that? Not a Class. lot of people. Kurt Angle. Class. Kurt Angle, Pass yeah. him my number. Have him call me. I want to follow up and check up on him. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So I was like, okay. So anyways, just to show you his character. So we took it to another level. Where do I go from there? By the way, he got signed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He did his Hall of Fame. And then he got signed as general manager. Right after me. Yeah. <laughs> George, you're making all the right moves. So right? then, I, well, and right before him, by the way, I skipped one, was Mick Foley. So I called, and, I, and Mick was in the comedy circuit. I said, yeah. listen, buddy, I want you to get involved at a wrestling show. I know you were doing, I, I think he did IWS, I believe, in Ireland or something. Big promotion, big show. They did fantastic. And he was there, I think, as the GM or something like that. I said, man, it would be great to get you as a referee. And, of course, he's been through a lot. So, you know, doing falsies for his knees, this and that. He agreed maybe to do the enforcer gimmick, right, on the outside. Either way, he agreed to come on board to be part of the show and be the referee, even if it was a, a smaller capacity on the outside. Yeah. I took it because, again, you must be involved. People are paying. They don't want to just sit there and get an autograph. They want to see you somehow mingled. Yeah. That's what they want to see, man. That's what they remember. That's what I remember. So he helped as well break the barrier and bring WWE fans to an indie show, introduce them to my product, <clears throat> which, by the way, I will say, I have a lot of loyal fans because of that now. People that only went to WWE now are loyal to my product because I got these guys to introduce them to my product, to bring them in the house. Absolutely. It's extremely expensive. And if you don't sell out, you're probably going to lose money. And I have lost money on, on different occasions because that's what the game is. You risk. You roll the dice. Um, anyways, as you know, uh, Nick came. We sold that out again. And he, uh, he got signed. Just like that. I was like, look at this guy. So anyways, this, this goes on. These are coincidences or whatever the case. Are they watching us? Are we the OHL of wrestling for Canada? 
No, I think you're actually the only ones out there that are like honestly and truly going out of your way to try and do something different as yeah. opposed to what everybody else is just considering a normal indie show. Just a Correct. Just a, just that's a, the difference. Exactly. And I feel like that's where your mentality... There's indie and then there's what we do. And then there's what you guys do. Which, which is, is different. Trying which to is trying to bring a, gr- a, gr- a grand yes, presentation we're trying to, to... Correct. The sparkle of the presentation of the... A thousand indie. percent. So you'll see indies all come do the ring, do the wrestling. And, you know, their, their model wrestling speaks for itself. I thought... I, I, I would love to agree with that. Unfortunately, there is a stigma of people that go to concerts, uh, Leaf fans, football fans, concert goers. If I want to cater to that demographic, they're used to production, lighting, sound, glitz, glamour. They come to my or somebody else's show and they, no disrespect, I'm going to use the, the, the motto of, you know, bingo hall, you know, an old rig. It's not maintained. There's not skirts. The, the guys in the costumes don't look good. It's not run... That knocks it right down. They no longer take it seriously for whatever reason. It's it's oh, it's good, but the crowd is minimal. Now, yeah. if they come to, let's say, one of my shows where I do spend that extra money and I put the money into the production to make sure the ring looks good, to make sure you have extra lighting, uh, video screens, LED walls, so forth, everything that's involved, the costume's going to be tipped off. We have a makeup artist to help. It's very key to produce that. So when they walk in and they sit down, they look, and they're like, huh, Okay, it's like a mini, a mini WWE, you could say. You know, like, okay, this looks pretty good. Let's see how the wrestling is. And then, you know, there are certain guys that may not be the, the template uh, of visual with your physique or so forth, right? But I try to present something to the fans where you'll see two guys. Look at these guys. What the hell? Who are these? What is going on? These guys are great. The place looks great. The place is packed. These fans are screaming. What am I missing out? That's what I want. It's like you go into a band for the first time. Ah, I'll go for a band to have a beer just because it's background noise. And they hit a song. You're like, wait a minute. Who the hell are these guys? Exactly. I'm so sick. Where, where have you been? I've never heard you on the radio. That's what we're trying to do. What I was just listening to you describe was basically the exact same because I, I myself, I play in a band. I've been a drummer for the last uh, 20 years. Oh, okay. I played wait, in love a band, but been yeah. a drummer for the last 20 years. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's a lot of those times. I'll notice that at indie shows where it will be a di- the difference between a product of somebody who actually really wants to leave the basement because they have a product that they can leave the basement with. Yes. Or they should have stayed stuck in the basement, which is about 90% of the bands that I noticed. It's, that it's, it should have been. It's insane. So as you've as you've progressed and as you've grown and as you've as you've gotten bigger over these last five years, mm-hmm. now just recently you announced a couple weeks ago uh, your deal with Fight and yes. IPPV. Yes. So that's going to take your your product to that next level. Correct. You've already mentioned you earlier on in the interview that you had the contract with Bell because they were interested and they were happy, they were excited with what you were doing, what your product yes. was becoming. Yeah. But now you've got this pay per view yeah. side of things. How does that change the landscape? Oh, big time. Big time. Because, you know, the Bell deal, I had three seasons, I believe, with them. And and that's national. Because they did did show it in different parts of Canada. The iPay-Per-View introduces me to a whole new audience. So now you're global. Worldwide. Yes. International. With that, and again, you'll have this conversation with many promoters. And everyone has their own model and how they they run it. But you got to, I treat it. Not you got to. I treat it like a brand. Because there's different revenue streams, whether it's the pay-per-view, whether it's the merchandise sales, whether it's the DVD, whether it's ticket sales, sponsors. There's a lot of forms of revenue to be made when you go on a worldwide scale. And introducing your product to that culture, to that community, and get those followers, that's where you want to be because now you grow. Now I don't have to stay in Canada. Now you could see me in the States, in California. And after a year of pay-per-views and I come to your town... Now you're going to come to the show. 
because you see my product. You know the guys that are on my my products. You're familiar with storylines on my product. You like the t-shirts. You want to get, you want to support that. Um, you know, the sponsors that are going to sponsor and come on board to give us money to run ads and advertising cater to that target demographic. So it, that's the business aspect, which I really appreciate and love uh, part of the business. And a lot of, I think promoters don't, they don't look at the, the particular business model of it, what it entails. They're wrestling fans. Some of them are actually wrestlers and they want to do a show and they want to do great, but it's mostly about the wrestling. Right. And they're forgetting the most important part. This is a business. So in terms of the IPPVV deal, yes. that's going to springboard you globally. Correct. Yeah, that, so. that, that'll put us on a different platform, introduce our product to, to, to new people. Um, it, it's going to give everybody an opportunity to see what everyone's been talking about. Of course, there's been a lot of memorable moments that you, uh, that you can see online that we've done. I think we've represented Canada in a great way. We've given a lot of eyes on some homegrown talent. Um, and, and the iPay-Per-View deal with Fight, which was an amazing deal to put together. I waited, obviously, a while before we made this decision. Uh, we perfected it with, with working, doing our TV series and everything that goes with it and having the right production people. I think a lot of things that you don't see that people never talk about on podcasts is what goes on backstage. Setting up flights, setting up hotels, production deal, the third liners, the lower thirds, the graphics, the logo reels, um, the times, uh, cameras, the crew, um, audio, music, licensing. There's a, so many little moving parts in this machine to work. No one really takes it into consideration. They think, oh, yeah, you know, I'll play some music, go out there, do a match. There's a hell of a lot more to it if you want to pre present a major product, especially if you want a, a reputation in the community, in the business, especially with the boys, you know, down, let's say, the WWE, where they know who you are, they know what you're doing, they, they talk about it, they feel safe with you, uh, and they're like, okay, cool, like, this guy, he's, he's on it, he, he gets it. Because, again, we want to introduce ourselves to the world um, representing Canada. Of course, we are going to have international talent. That's why it's called World Wrestling. The mm -hmm. world, we're representing the world. But it, it gives me that opportunity to showcase what I'm doing and Canadian talent. For instance, Josh Alexander, who I feel right now is probably the top guy to represent Canada. You know what I mean? He's not even 30 yet. Uh, he's been at this such a long time. He's busted his ass. And he's kind of that guy on the forefront that I could see really breaking barriers. And there's other guys as well. There's, you know, Stone Rockwell, um, who's been doing a bunch of appearances on Impact and doing very well for himself. Uh, other, Ethan Page is another one who's doing yeah. phenomenal. And I'm very proud of Ethan. He's, he's, he's doing great stuff. And, and look for even more things to come from him on major TV very soon. Um, anyways, you know, some up-and-comers, Aiden Prince, um, who was out of uh, Windsor and uh, BCW, I think is uh, kind of that guy that we're molding and, and, and pushing. And, and there's a few others as well. But again, using this as a platform to catapult the Canadian talent, showcase what we got, and, and get into that um, that competitive market where there's we're able to share some of the, the profits on, on a worldwide scale. And that actually, you springboarded very well into my next question. So talking about your indie, indie talent pool mm -hmm. and how you've, um, uh, it's a two-part question. Yeah. One is, scouting-wise, you already mentioned earlier about Facebook. Yes. So are you always looking at Facebook or now are these guys coming to you? Mm -hmm. And the second part of the question, in terms of setting up matches and setting up storylines yeah. for what you're doing, how do you decide or what is your decision-making ability 
on Ooh, who you push forward gotcha. and who you hold back to develop more. Gotcha. And is it just a gut feeling? Like, I look at this guy, like you're talking about um, the guy from Flip. Winter. Yeah, you're talking about Flip. You're Flip also talking about Aiden, Aiden Prince. Aiden Prince. Prince. Yeah. So you look at you look at Aiden Prince and you're like, you got that gut feeling. Because yeah. I can tell you're old school. You yes. go by what your gut feeling, your yeah. heart's telling yeah. you. You look at him and you go, this guy, got this guy, I'm pushing. Yeah. And I know. Even if I don't, even if he doesn't give it to me now, yeah. six months from now, he's going to give it to me. Yes. So what what is your what is your mental state, your mind frame, and, and how you pick and choose so what you do? That's a good. It's a very good question. You know, as a promoter, again, there's always a little bit of bias. Like maybe some of the guys might know the promoter; they're good friends, so they'll always get certain spots, right? right? And that could really suck for the business aspect of it, and you could hurt. Yeah, it seems like, it seems to me like you're the complete opposite. Complete you, opposite. You literally take even if even if you do, and I do have bias. best friends in the business. Exactly, I do. You, you contain the bias. You have two podcasters yeah. that are your best yeah. friends, right? And, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I still hold certain guys back, and they're and I and they're very good friends because I don't feel they're ready for national or worldwide. Eyes. And you have an honest opinion about that. Of I how, I, the reasons why. I love them. That. My boy, I love them. Let's go for dinner. Let's have a drink. Let's say, but, 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 you're not there. Yeah. You need to evolve. And wrestling today is like a hybrid right now. You got to take the mixture of this new kind of lucha, kind of, um, you know, fast paced. And then you still have to remember the old school as well, telling a story, getting people emotionally involved. Very difficult to bring both yeah, together. It's a, it's a fine line. Very difficult. Very thin line. Because some guy may not know how to tell that story correctly, how to get people to connect with them, right? We talk about that all the time on our show. We talk about how dance partners in the ring, yeah. how two guys in the ring can tell an epic story in 20 minutes from yeah. beginning to end yeah. and leave you floored. Yeah. The most memorable matches that we remember yeah. are the guys that told the best story in the ring. Oh, Maybe they didn't cut yeah. the best promos, yes. but when they got when that match finally came to fruition, yeah. they tore the house They tore it down. down. Yeah. It's the difference between either being Bret Hart and Sean versus Bret Hart and, and, and Jeff Jarrett. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I actually like Jeff yeah. Jarrett. But, there's, there's, a, but there's, a, there's a place for that on the show as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely a place for that on the exactly. show. Exactly. But the bigger, the bigger scheme of things, you're, you're, you're booking, you're trying to book people that are visually... How do you say that? Would you say there's a checklist? Maybe that's a there's a there's a more so than one. You look at the look, you look at the charisma, you look at the athletic ability, you look at how they can handle themselves on a mic and on front of a camera, and that kind of all rolls itself together. Right? There's more. Oh, there's more backstage. Okay. Oh, oh. How are you backstage? Are you a prima donna jackass? Are you a or dick? You, or, or are you just are you there cocky? for the team? Okay. That was actually going to be one of my questions. Was actually I was wondering about any rock stars that you've had come in here that you that presume that definitely yes. this guy's a rock star and yeah. never want to have this guy back ever again. There's there's one. Yes, there was been a wrestler. Yes, and um, yeah. No name drops. No name drops. We won't drop. But, we won't uh, drop. But um, you had a difficult time. He just, he didn't want to play ball on the way we wanted to do certain things a certain way. He, he came here to do the business, and he did the business. He, yes. he did what needed to be done. He could have went, he could have did more. Like, we wanted to shoot interviews and do tags. It's just, it's the business. It's fucking wrestling. Sorry. Yeah. I, I no, it's okay. We're, yeah. It's okay. wrestling, you know? We got an explicit rating. It, it, okay. it, it's <laughs> wrestling. There's things that you got to do. There isn't a contract. I'm not sending you. And it's, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. If you needed to be more specific... Then damn, I'm gonna do that. And you know what I mean? I could be a dick too. I could be Johnny Corporate. That's usually what I'm gonna do anyway. But there's gotta be an understanding. It's gotta be an understanding. You, you, you know, you're paying your travel. You're coming here. I'm not asking you to die or anything, but I'm asking you to cut a, a friggin' promo on camera. 
you know, cut a promo because we have to use it. It's got to be visual. It's got to go on DVD. It's got to go online. Blah, 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 blah. So and you're just asking the guy to do his job, basically. He didn't want to do it. He said, no, I'm not doing it. We didn't discuss that. I'm like, what's there to discuss? That you're cutting a promo? Yeah. I was like, what about going in-ring the first half of the show to hype it up? We'll do a... Uh, a run out, we'll have the guys come in, uh, you know, we'll do a pull apart and we'll hype it up. We'll get everybody excited for the main. No, I'm not doing that either. I'm like, <laughs> God, I don't know how I'm working like here. <laughs> anyway, I've had one prima donna. I'm not going to tell the world who it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he did his job for the match. The match was a phenomenal match. I was extremely happy with the match, um, but I wanted him to do a little bit more to. To, to create more and I think it would have been good PR with him because he did burn bridges with other promoters who were there visually to see this who've heard the story and like nah I'm not booking him he's a dick not yeah. booking him never no TV time for him so still the old school chain of the old school the chain old school I, and I'm you know I'm surrounded by I'm a lucky guy because I'm surrounded by you know some very popular people in the business uh, some people are very respected for instance Rip Rogers I'll bring in I try to bring him in twice a year. For those who don't know who Rip Rogers is, it's very important that you YouTube Rip Rogers. Rip Rogers is a idiot savant genius when it comes to training wrestlers. He was one of the head trainers at OVW. And um, Rip Rogers has signed over 70 wrestlers. He was, you know, initially part of uh, training uh, John Cena, Batista, um... Randy Orton, yeah, Shelton Benjamin, and, and, uh, Anthony Corelli, Santino, the list goes on. And the, the, one of the right. most recent guys is Elias. This guy, another one, by the way, who was who I booked is Diana Parazzo. Yeah. So the, the list goes on, but he's just an absolute smart man at the wrestling business. So you have to take what he says because he has a lot to say and a lot of knowledge and try to mold it in with today's generation and today's. Um, you know, people have uh, this time thing where, you know, they're distracted very easily with their cell phones and so forth. So they have attention spans that are very minimal. So you got to target those people, still be able to tell a story. Anyways, Rip Rogers is one of those key people that I surround myself with that I could talk to about. And I bring him in twice a year to do seminars and workshops. And uh, he's a guy that if you listen to him, he was on Stone Cold's podcast and Stone Cold popped and everyone popped. And anyone who loves the wrestling business, and who just listens to just the wrestlers. I think this is a guy to go out to, to listen, because his knowledge is absolutely incredible. And he will make you understand the wrestling game better. You'll pick up things and appreciate that you'll see in matches, that you'll appreciate. Because if you love wrestling, then you should love what goes into wrestling. Not just the final product. Because you don't know how many years these guys suffered to get there. And what they sacrifice. It's good to hear the behind the stories of that. That's yeah. what that's what as as two diehard fans, that's what we love the most is yeah. the, is not the final product. Yeah. I want to know how he went from unpolished yeah. to polished, polished. Or how she went from unpolished Process. to yeah. polished. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's the part that I think drives us. That's why we started this thing and that's why yeah. we wanted to connect with you because you're gonna you're giving us insight into that unpolished side of yeah, things, yeah. which is is what is a lot of people don't they don't reach out to guys like you because yeah, yeah. it's just like ah, I'm just not gonna do it. Yeah, he yeah. may not he may not contact, but yeah. you know what? We reached out, yeah. you reached back, and we're graciously appreciative. Yeah, no of, problem. Of the time you're taking. I appreciate you guys having me. I love to be here and, and talk about it. And, and and again, I think just to go back to the checklist, I think the back your backstage demeanor, your attitude, and how you do business is very key to me. 
Yeah. Hide the business to me. Because that depends on how, how you're going to work with that. You got business. it. Am I going to put money into you? Yeah. Am I going to invest in you? Am I going to spend money to fly in a guy that's internationally known for you to work to put you over? If I don't like you, no. Yeah, not if I don't go on your off your first idea. It's, it's not going to happen. If I'm not willing to work with you, then you're not going to work with me. You got to be likable. You got to be able to work with. You got to be open. You got to be on time. You got to be professional. Uh, and there's a lot of key elements. And 99%, I'm going to say 99% of guys are. They are. They'll get there on time. You do a call time for production meeting. Maybe one or two is three to four minutes late. Usually in my, my, my uh, group messages, I'll let everybody know if you're going to be late. It's important that you contact me directly uh, while you're not going to be there. It's very disrespectful if I'm doing a production meeting and there's one guy missing. Yeah, and then he strolls in because you've just shit on everybody in the locker room because everybody else had to get there early. Yeah. And you did it. Now you're going to come. They're going to think that's okay. And they're going to do it. Yeah. And that I can't have. Yeah. That seems to me, that seems to me, even in the, even top industry, it really seems to me like you know, that's, that's the case with all the other wrestlers in that case Correct. as well. That yeah. You carry yourself, you carry a good attitude. You complain once, there's going to be somebody right around the corner. Oh, there's you, you know 10 guys to take your we job. We all have done the exact yeah. same stuff as what you're doing right yeah. now. So you need to shut your mouth and go do your job right now. Uh, it's, it's, it, you know, you're a professional athlete. You're not, you just can't look at it as a wrestler. You're a professional athlete. You're representing yourself. You're representing my brand and 20,000 other brands that you work for. Yeah. So you have to conduct yourself with professional manner. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the word of mouth is all, it's crazy because somebody calls me, George, what about that guy? He's a darling. Book him. He's great. He's worth every penny, even if it's extra money. Again, some guy's rate could be really cost efficient, but on travel, you got to pick up his flight, his hotel, you got to pick up uh, his food, his transportation, uh, the car. I'm spending an extra three, four, five, six hundred dollars on a guy. Is it worth it? It's got to be worth it. Exactly. It's got to be worth it. All right. So I think Steve actually had a question in terms of the side of things with merchandise, with your guys specifically, your own talent pool. Yeah. Not the guys, not the big names you bring yes. in, but your own talent pool. Steve had a question about that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, just uh, just have some questions, just really about uh, just merch and just the way that all yes. runs and how that all comes together. Okay. But also, particularly, uh, what I was wondering about was just uh, the house in general and yeah. how that all works. Depending on, um, I know that with the bigger names, that's where uh, the payout at the end of the night. That's where it really more mainly goes towards uh, the the gentlemen or two or three that really have the bigger names, or if it's really a group effort that really brings the house together. Yeah. Uh, so the first part of the question is, it, for it comes to merch, is it's different deals that's in place for different talent, depending on who it is and where they is. The, the locals, usually um, there's no interference. They do what they got to do. However, we don't allow them to sell merch before showtime. Uh, and, and that being said, is be, that comes from my concert promotion days and, and, and what we do, because it's still very theatrical and it's still showmanship. And I've never went to a concert where I got to see, you know, Bon Jovi or Kiss hanging out in the lobby before the show. I never went to a, you know, uh, a hockey game and, and saw one of the boys hanging out in the front lobby saying hi to the guy signing some t-shirts. You, you just don't see that. I met Vince Carter's dermatologist once. Oh, did you? At a Raptor game, yeah. Is he a good guy? Yeah, he was all right. He was all right. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, I, I, I think, I think it, it takes away the mystique the mystery and the showmanship to walk into a venue excited to see one of your favorite stars. He's not in gear. He's not in front of the lights. He's not in the ring. He didn't hear his intro. He didn't hear his music. He's just sitting there at the table signing some pictures. I think that takes away. And I want to keep the the professional theatrical mystique to it. So we don't do autographs prior to show. That's my explanation. All right, perfect. Uh, the second part of your question, uh, the house, the house is always my house. It, 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 
all revenue streams are, are obviously, they go to me. And then it's, it's, it's me that does the payouts accordingly. Um, negotiations go on prior to the show. So I know who you are, how much is you're looking for, the travel, so forth. If we agree to it, then I'm responsible whether the house wins or loses. Like a casino, I still have to pay you your, your agreed fee. And um, that also do with the main guys. Most of the main guys, uh, their, their fees usually, um, you know, usually you could wire them, you know, PayPal them and stuff like that. Um, depending who they are, they might take a deposit. Um, but most of the guys, when they arrive, you know what I mean? It's, you know, kind of like COD. So, um, are you finding that more promoters, or are you finding that a lot more promoters these days, uh, or performers? I mean, uh, they should, they would rather be working uh, the independent contracting, or whether, as opposed to going to work for Vince, or do you find gotcha. that it's the fifty-fifty kind of half and half? A lot of guys are making a living off the indies. Joey Ryan being one of them, doing very well, bought a nice house in L.A. I believe that's where he is right now. And, uh, you know, he tours the world. He's not uh, locked down. And he's doing quite well. And there's others. There's tons. Um, you know, Cody, Cody, Rhodes. Cody Rhodes left. He's doing well. Young yeah. Bucks, they'd be crazy. They'd be crazy to go to WWE right now. Not right Seriously. now. They're doing phenomenal. They're making big money. And they're doing they're doing it their way. Uh, Kenny Omega yeah. was under contract with, with New Japan. But he's still able to do certain dates with other promotions. You know, I think these guys... I've really revolutionized the business in so many ways. Yeah. So um, uh, the answer to your question is you don't have to go to WWE to make a living and live your dream. If you choose to do that, that's great. Even if you're down there two, three years, use that as a promotional tool to build your brand to continue working on the indies. So even if you go there for three years, that's all you need. Go yeah. there and do your thing. And if you're not happy, then it'll work out. That's fine. At least you did it because in your heart you wanted to do it. But then go out and make a living and and and, and do what you want to do because I think there's enough to go around for everybody right now. Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful answer, dude. That's pretty much what we've been seeing lately. And then the exact same time we did a podcast, uh, we, we just did our last podcast. Yeah, we just, it was though. called Tools of the Trade, basically talking about the guys who have either stayed in Indies and made serious money and yeah. serious bank. Guys who started off WWE that took the tools they learned there and went out. Yep. Yep. And guys that worked the Indies to get to WWE yeah. and maybe left and then came back again like Drew McIntyre. Yes. Example. Exactly yeah. the way you just described it. Essentially revolutionizing the business and yeah. just being the guys that are essentially going out there, making the contacts through WWE and yeah. now taking their brand. They take their product. You got it. They're the product. They you got take their it. advertisement. Yeah. They take their commercial and yeah. they bring it around it wherever they can, and they yeah. pour themselves out. To yeah, yeah. Make as much money. And as they, they love it, though. They do love it. They they love it. it. You know, they love it. They they enjoy it. They're doing well for it, man. We're 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 blessed right now. We're in we're in a very good time when it comes to pro wrestling. Yeah. All right. So this next question actually kind of goes back to what you touched on earlier about earlier in your promotion days when you yes. were just getting wrestling started. Yeah. You kind of got that cease and desist letter from yeah. WWE. Mm -hmm. So now in terms of starting the new brand, bringing Destiny to the forefront, mm -hmm. you've got guys like Pete Dunn making appearances. Yes. You had guys like, you also got Mustache Mountain coming down. Yes. You had James Ellsworth in the past. I these did. guys Under are contract. All under contract. Yeah. So my question was, how are you able to bring these guys? <laughs> and who do you, do you have anybody that maybe you could throw out to the future date that you might be coming in? It's a secret. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was I, one of those questions I didn't know if we'd be able I to have, answer for. <laughs> I'm, I think, I know some promoters are going to be looking at me like, come on. But if you look at my track record, I'm probably one of the only promoters on planet Earth that is able to book talent that is contracted under ROH, talent under New Japan, talent under Impact Wrestling, talent under WWE. 
one of the you are. only guys on the planet to have those type of relationships to work with these guys. Didn't ruffle feathers. I'm keeping my cool. I'm very professional. I treat everybody with the utmost respect. And everyone kind of likes, I guess, the way I do business because I do it a certain way. And, um, and I'm able to do certain things and create dream matches. So it's just, it's business relationships. That's basically what it is. And a great reputation. And a great reputation. Those guys are not coming to a bingo hall or anything like that. Like it's a lot to it. It's not just, Oh, you know, he pays like, because sometimes I'm not, I'm not able to pay the money I can pay. So it has to be worked on on a different deal. So why is it worth it for you? Is it going to get great exposure? Is it safe? Do you like where you are? Do you like the crowd? Are you breaking into a new market? So a lot of variables that come into play when it when it comes to um, negotiating a deal. So and I think that's I do that quite well because I again I, I look at the business aspect of, aspect of things. So I'm uh, I'm blessed at that, and I think business relationships are very important. And in terms of another part of the question, just yes. to tack on. Pete is currently the WWE, Correct. WWE UK champion. And my champion. But he's also the Destiny champion. Yes. How, champion. How, yes. How, are we, how are we able to hold the cross-brand titles like that? Ah! Another secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, good business. Good business. That's all he Does he bring the UK title here with him or no? Yes, he does. He does. Yes. He walks out with both titles? Yes, sir. Perfect. All right. And then two more questions and then we are officially yes. wrapped up. Uh, Destiny. Where do you see it going in the next few years? Yes. And what is the end goal? Like, what's the ultimate goal for you, George? Um, Where do you want to take this thing? Are we talking direct competition with WWE? Well, I don't know about that, but uh, I think I don't want to ruffle feathers with organizations that I have good relationships with. Just right. want a good business relationship. I want to have very good, close business relationships, able to work with everybody and do great things. I think where I see myself in a few years is going to be shocking. I think I'm going to be on a very different level from what we're doing and how we do it. So just fasten your seatbelts. That's all I can say at this moment. I don't look to be regional, if that's what you mean. Perfect. We will be international that's as a touring brand. Very cool. And I think that's the dream. And the last question is is super fun. Yeah. Everyone's got a top five. Yes. Your top five, past or present, no particular order, give them to me. Top five. Top five. Ah! <laughs> For no particular reason, just no, the top no five. Past, present, no particular order. You don't have to give me the numbers, but just give me your top five. All top. time. George, the Iceman's uh, top five okay. things. Top five boys, right? or girls, whatever. Top five talent. Either okay. or. Um, obviously, Hogan has to be one of them because, I, I, I mean, that's why I got into wrestling to watch Hogan. Uh, five's not enough. <laughs> All right, give me your uh, top ten. I'll do top ten. Just All right, give me your top ten. Uh, Hogan, Piper, we're incredible. Um... Drew me into the Ric Flair, phenomenal. Uh, Pete Dunn, love him. The future of our business. Watch for this guy. Yep. He's the future of the business. Just does he 24. hold both belts in his mouth? Yes. He, does. <laughs> he puts both belts in his mouth. And he comes out with it. So Pete Dunn, phenomenal. Um, Ricky Steamboat, phenomenal. Macho Man, phenomenal. Um, Jimmy Hart, Bobby Heenan, phenomenal. Um, Newer generation. I love Batista. I did like Batista. You know, he had something about that guy I really liked. And right now, the business savvy and the sense that I really love and respect, Triple H. That's my bromance, man. I've been a Triple H fan since he was Hunter Hearst Thompson, brother. Yeah, but especially now with what he's doing with NXT is is really stamping who he is. It's revolutionary. And he's doing it right. And my hats have to go off to him and... Uh, I love Vince. He's a great guy, but Paul, 
Paul Levesque is a guy to watch out for. I think he's going to change the business even more than what it is. Watch out. He's going to do some great things for that company. I have, I'm very confident in that. Agreed. All, All right. right. Well, that's that's everything. Thank you so much yes. for giving us your time, George. Thank Yachman. you, man. It's been we a pleasure. It, guys. Everybody thank listening, we, we, we thank you for supporting and look for our pay-per-view, iPay-per-view, coming up November 25th. And for details on upcoming shows, go to DestinyWorldWrestling.com. And don't you worry about that. We're going to be plugging you a lot on our podcast. I'd love that. Sure. Thank sure. you so much. Thank, thank you. you. All right, Just guys. All right, guys. That's it for us on this one. We're wrapping it. It's in the can. That was George. He just boogied out. I'm here with Steve the Animal Mitchell. Have a great night, everybody. That was an amazing interview. And as you know, I am your host with the most, George McKay. We thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget, right after this one, we're dropping Foley, Superstar Career Profiles. Keep your eyes out for that one. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. some car repairs to do, but I could only pay for half of them. Brokers Lamina at 1-800-NEW-CREDIT made the difference between stressed out driving and a smooth ride to work. Mark went the extra mile on his repairs with a loan from Brokers Lamina at 1-800-NEW-CREDIT. It's easy to apply over the phone or online at Lamina.ca. Get approved instantly up to $1,000 with no documents or credit checks and pay back over three to five months. Spice up your week and call 1-800-NEW-CREDIT or apply online at Lamina.ca. I had some car repairs to do, but I could only pay for half of them. Brokers Lamina at 1-800-NEW-CREDIT made the difference between stressed out driving and a smooth ride to work. Mark went the extra mile on his repairs with a loan from Brokers Lamina at 1-800-NEW-CREDIT. It's easy to apply over the phone or online at Lamina.ca. Get approved instantly up to $1,000 with no documents or credit checks and pay back over three to five months. Spice up your week and call 1-800-NEW-CREDIT or apply online at Lamina.ca.